0: Welcome to Out of the Box Off Topic, a spin-off podcast series focused on the unfocused thoughts of myself, Gray Robertson, and my partner, Tom Canterbury. Today's topic is the retirement of Alabama head football coach Nick Saban.
1: Tom, how are you? Uh well, I'm okay. Uh <laughs> I've gone through <laughs> it's been a rough 48 hours as we've uh, as we're recording this, but I think we're seeing the end of the, tu- the light at the end of the tunnel, so that's fun. But very excited! This is a quite the topic for our first ever uh, off-topic.
0: Yeah, so this is how it's going to work. This is going to be a podcast spin-off series that will randomly pop up on the feed when any topic we want to discuss arrives, whether that be WrestleMania, the Oscars. Iron Claw, our thoughts on cheddar cheese, whatever it is, it could pop up. The tangents on the podcast won't stop, but this is a platform to expand right. upon those thoughts. Basically,
1: the last five minutes of the pod, this is it. Yeah, this it's is like a- expanded to like
0: 25 minutes right, or yes. so, which I'm sure the people will love. They always ask but for that. People
1: always say our podcasts are too
0: short. Yes, that's so we do more. <laughs> but of course, the first one has to be about the biggest story involving the University of Alabama in. Quite a long time. Mm -hmm. I mean, just just being forthright about it in any facet. This is a huge story. It's the retirement of Nick Saban and the subsequent news that is not, as we record, officially official. But everyone who we trust in the world of college football has reported it, so we're operating as if it is true. Uh, But we're starting, of course, talking about Nick Saban and all that he did at Alabama and as a college football coach and in his legendary coaching career. And so, as we were putting together this podcast idea, we figured, well. It's not going to happen all the time but we
1: might as well bring on a guest for mm-hmm. out of the box off topic yes and a guy who who knows nick saban they're, they have been introduced they're <laughs> acquainted yes of course
0: of course i'm talking about our friend chris stewart from the crimson tide sports network the list of jobs could take the entire podcast he does play-by-play for basketball baseball football on ctsn And of course, little did we know at the time, he also was on the call for Coach Saban's final game uh, at the University of Alabama. Chris Stewart, welcome to Out of the Box, Off Topic. How are you?
2: There's nobody more perfect for a show called Off Topic than me, as Tom Canterbury will attest. Having, (laughs) bless his heart, 20 years ago, having produced uh, my own radio show in Tuscaloosa, and God help him, I hope the therapy's working. But uh, it, is, it is great to be all with you guys. I, uh, you know, I appreciate you both and consider you both friends, so it's fun to talk to you. But it is really weird as you were doing the intro, uh, it dawned on me. Tom, do you remember the fact you and I were doing radio together in Tuscaloosa when the search for Nick Saban was going on?
1: Yeah, I I was producing the imaginatively named morning show that Chris did called Chris Stewart in the morning.
2: Um, That's exactly right. And yeah, and what that took quite the took quite the uh, committee to come up with that name. Considering two (laughs) two monkeys and a hamster on a wheel.
0: Are those the same people that decided to call the college football playoff the college football playoff? (laughs)
1: It's possible. Okay, I was going to say Chris
2: was far more intelligent than them, But go ahead.
1: (laughs) I was going to say, Chris, considering who you're working for, I, I would assume it probably did take a large uh, brainstorming session.
2: Uh, Captain <laughs> Captain Caveman, I hope, is doing well in whatever, whatever zoo he is working in now, either as one of the animals or as a keeper. But he's still uh, overqualified, if that's the case. But I digress. You and I are the only people that get that
1: joke, and it's hilarious, and I'm for it. Um, but yeah, but yeah when, when, when we were producing, when we were making this show at that time, um, yeah, first of all, the it was six weeks between the firing of Mike Shula oh my goodness. and the hiring of Nick Saban. If, we just went through 48 ever. hours, and people were ready to, to, to just yes. lose their minds. It was six well, weeks.
2: Yes, it was. <laughs> and by the way... That turned out really well, yes, so uh, look, I get it. Different time, different era. I'll tell you how different it was when when we were talking about this and and doing this, uh, I was referencing a a certain fictional website. I don't know if you even remember this, but there was a website that I told people you know, everybody was tracking the planes and and stuff. The internet was so new that when I was giving people the fictional um, website that they may want to consider tracking, I literally was using, uh, I told them, here's the address. And I went www dot. I mean, we still needed right. back at that time to do the old www. Um, that's not necessary anymore. But I do think the same website that was active then may may be the one to follow. Do you remember what it was? I, I
1: don't. What was it?
2: Yeah, you'll know. It was back then. It was www.wherescedricscar.com. <laughs> and that yeah. is still that is still applicable today.
1: 100%. Find
2: Cedric. Where's Cedric? That's where the new head coach will That's be. That's where he is. 100%. That's exactly <laughs> where he will be.
1: Yeah, Chris, so, When uh, when, we, when yeah. we were doing that show, Chris there was no YouTube, Facebook was just barely starting. There was no Twitter. Like I still had a MySpace at that time. Ooh, that, yeah. Like, yeah, that so so many, so much has changed in the 17 years that Nick Saban uh, dominated college football at the University of
2: Alabama. Uh no, no listeners either for the show. That was that was among the no's that were that were prevalent uh, during that time. Now no, there that's not some, true. We actually yeah. did. Dozens of hear, people were
1: listening, I'm sure.
2: Dozens of people were listening in the 12 block area that could hear that radio station. <laughs> and uh, it was, uh, you and I, it, look, here was my goal, Greg, and I know you'll appreciate this. If I could if I could make Tom laugh once per day to the point that I thought he might have an accident, it was a good day for me, much as I just did right there, as I can see on our our Zoom call. Uh, it's it's always that's how i knew i that was that was i didn't need ratings that was how i judged success at that time well, i'm uh, glad you didn't
1: need ratings because we didn't really have one no
2: thank we're not gonna fight we couldn't afford a coloring book let alone a ratings <laughs> book uh and and half the people we worked with couldn't operate one so uh it was It was an interesting time. When hey, when does the podcast start? I'm just trying to remember. And what was the question? (laughs) Um,
0: let's let's just let's let's. This is the perfect. This is the perfect start to this entire thing. Out of the box, off topic, folks. Um, Let let's. All right, let's 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 take a breath okay, and think okay. think about the last forty eight hours. Oh. I
2: hope this is the first thing Kalen DeBoer hears when he talks to Lisa,
0: and we would I'll love to have doing, him on the podcast as well. Yes. I'll
2: be I'll be calling swim meets at, at Shelton State before <laughs> this is all said and done.
1: <laughs>
2: all right, let's let's uh let's throw it back to
0: Wednesday. Uh, Wednesday at at about four o'clock central time is when Uh all of this news dropped and everybody has talked that I've talked to affiliated with the University of Alabama in a variety of capacities has mentioned just how surreal that day was when you heard the news of coach Saban's retirement what was your initial reaction and in the days since how has that reaction changed if it has at all
2: Honestly, the, and, and I'll give you the lighthearted but honest answer, my my fault was, do I have time to run into Publix and get hamburger made to eat before um, all the world goes chaotic around me? And considering the fact the phone had melted before I could get into the grocery store, uh, I had my answer. But I was surprised, but I wasn't shocked. Uh, we, we knew this day was going to come. We knew it was going to come sooner rather than later. Um, I think we felt that the more days that passed from the Rose Bowl and from the championship game, that the better the chance would be that he would stay as the head coach. But I don't. I just don't think. You know, we thought, hey, it's it's going to happen now, and maybe that was you know denial on my part. That's fine. Um, it's not as if things were slipping, y'all. You may recall we were in the semifinals and lost in overtime to the team that had the confetti fall on them. Uh, it, it, we're going to be one of the top three teams for next season, as well in the preseason. So, uh, surprised, yes. Shocked, no. Sad. Uh, I'll tell you, I had a really ironic thought that I I had a flashback really to sitting in the gym as a seventh grader at Forest Hills middle school in Fairfield. And I'm watching a seventh grade basketball game and the PE teacher who was an Auburn fan, but somebody that I cut up with, I'd known for several years and, uh, Ms. Gray came over and says, hey, Chris, I just heard that Coach Bryant passed away. And I thought the first thought was Ms. Gray. And I said to her, I said, Ms. Gray, that's not funny. And she goes, Chris, I'm, you know I wouldn't joke about that. And it dawned on me that the greatest coach in college football history had passed away. Now, he had announced his retirement a month earlier, so we knew he wouldn't be coaching anymore. But for him to be gone, was just – that was shocking. But I was thinking about being a seventh grader in a gym. PE teacher tells me the news. And it it dawned on me that my 12-year-old son, who was at seventh grade basketball practice and likely had his coach, who is the PE teacher as well, tell him at Bumpus Middle School in Hoover – hey, Coach Saban just announced his retirement. Um, he probably had the reaction that I did, and I told him when he got home, and he, he told me that, yep, yeah, that's what happened. I said, son, I know you probably don't understand this right now. I said, but in 40 years, when you're 53, you're not you're not going to forget where you were when you heard the news because 40 years later, I still remember so vividly where I was when I heard about Coach Bryant. And uh, it's it's that monumental. It's that historic, especially within our state. Um, I know a lot of people, you know, got up in arms about Auburn uh, rolling Toomer's Corner or made fun of it. Let me tell you, that there is no – in my mind, for them, there's no greater show of respect – than them doing that because the fact that he's gone is a victory for not just Auburn. It's a victory for everybody else in college football. I'd be shocked if Tennessee didn't paint the rock okay. up there uh, in Knoxville. And again, it's a, it's a trip where it may not be intended as such, but to me, it's a tribute to the guy. That's how big, of an impact he had, that your rivals are celebrating the fact that you're retiring. Um, they don't want you to hang on a little bit longer. Yeah, I don't know that a lot of rivals, and I mean zero disrespect towards a man that I have I had great respect for personally and professionally in Bobby Bowden. But there weren't a lot of people in the ACC that were excited that he was hanging it up because they were finally, after all those years, Able to win every now and then, they wanted to. They wanted to see him stick around so they could be. Nick Saban had lost a step as far as winning and being nationally relevant and being still the standard. And so um, they had to be thrilled in Athens uh, and everywhere else where um, Nick Saban and Alabama were on the schedule. Because even though Alabama will still be Alabama, it won't be Alabama with Nick Saban at the helm. And if they're going to lose, at least they're going to lose to somebody else. Because, you know, for crying out loud, in Knoxville, they never beat us when we didn't get flagged for seventeen penalties in a ball game with him as the head coach. So, uh, it's it, it's just incredible the impact, um, the dominance the excellence that the man was able to possess for 17 years at the University of Alabama.
0: Chris, in retrospect, when you think back to that Rose Bowl, and, and even though Alabama lost, it was obviously a painful New Year's Day for a lot of us that that support the university. But when you think about the fact that you were there and you got to call the last one for Nick Saban oh, yeah. in such an idyllic setting, one of the most beautiful places in the world to play a sporting event, does it mean even a little bit more to you, that the fact that you are able to yeah. be there and to cover it?
2: Yeah, no question, Gray. Uh, it, calling a Rose Bowl period was so amazing. Um, but historically, to know that it was the last one, which frankly makes the loss sting a little bit more, it, it won't target, it, it does in no way. It wasn't going to change his legacy if Bama had won or lost, and if they'd won the national championship game and or, or lost it. Um, but how incredibly poetic it would have been for him to go out with the confetti falling and now, <laughs> as we know it to be likely the case, uh, to be replaced by the guy that that beat everybody but him uh, in the final ball game. That's the only way the script could have been any better. Um, but it was such an amazing setting to to be in the lead late, uh, to have it slip unfortunately in the final minute plus, and then to uh to have it fall short in in overtime is is sad, but you're right. there's there's no place that was more iconic for it to come to a close than where he won his first national championship. As the head coach of the Crimson Tide, or as we call it, uh, when I introduced him many, many times, I said, please welcome the man who's won seven national championships, six that we actually care about. (laughs) Please welcome (laughs) Nick Saban. And, uh, you know, for him to for him to have it end in the stadium in which he won the first wearing Crimson is is very, very special
1: a lot of full circle moments there. And uh, going back to the the morning show that we were doing at the time of uh, his hiring, we, we, his name had come up, but it was one of those kind of like we Alabama fans at the time, we'd been beaten down so much that it was kind of pie in the sky. We didn't yeah. actually think it was, it was a possibility that Nick Sane was going to come here, but he came, we thought it'd be successful, but did you foresee a 17 year career and everything that he's done when he got here?
2: Uh, There's no way that we could have forecast that 17 years later, there would actually be a debate, even among Alabama people as to who, as to whether or not Nick Saban was better than Bear Bryant. Right. Coach Bryant was, is, and always will be a name that is synonymous with the University of Alabama. But now, Nick Saban's name will be as well, and you know I, I will let others handle that that argument or debate. I've got no interest <laughs> wading into that. I, I will say that they are the two best of their eras, without question. And and let the the fireworks take off if somebody wants to 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 go a little broader on the description of of the best. And so. Um, I just uh, there's no way to forecast that, but I'm not at all surprised that he won. I'm not at all surprised that he won at the highest level. Um when there were when there was talk, you, you know, you, you think about this guys, there was always yapping from some idiots in the media and fan bases all around the country. Before he ever arrives, uh, arrived, you know, Tom. They told us we're crazy to think we're going to get Nick Saban, and then the talk was how awful he was, and that he, you know, they pinned him into a corner, and and um, and say, oh, he's a liar because he said he's not going to he said he wasn't going to go, and all this, and um, then after he got there, well, he's not going to win you know, the program's too low and see seven and six, and he's right back in Shreveport like they were last year. Uh, to now it's a 10-win season and you're in the SEC championship game and you're 15 minutes away from winning an SEC title and playing for a national championship in year two. And, of course, you do win it in year three. And then the talk was going to be, well, he's going to leave. You know, he's going to go and especially in year five when I think that got the first time that there were some serious conversations about, you know, somebody hiring him away. And I remember then saying, if he leaves having won two national titles in five years and what was it? Two sec crowns that it would have been at that point. Um, I will cry like a baby while doing it, but I will help the man pack and thank him for everything that he did. If he opts to go to a job somewhere else, because he's made us better and he has put it back on solid footing. And he has shown that Alabama can once again be among the best. And for him to just, as he said, we're we're just getting started and to walk out with six national championships all of the the league titles the the bcs and cfp championship game appearances where they didn't come out on top but yet still made it to the final game or the final four as was the case in the playoff um there's absolutely no way you could have forecast that without somebody going, okay, can we get your measurements for the straight jacket?
1: <laughs> I mean, yeah, just think of the, the different expectations. You mentioned Shreveport. We were excited to go to Shreveport. And then, like, people look at the 2022 <laughs> season when Alabama made it to the SEC championship game, 10, game, 10 wins, and then went to uh, to the Sugar Bowl. And people look at that season as this huge disappointment. So I mean the, the yeah. different the, the down dark, year yeah a down year exactly mm. uh, a down year was ten was a year that you know other teams in this conference would you know tout as one of their best ever uh, became down years for Alabama.
2: Well, and also like you said a few minutes ago, the the dark years. Look at what those actually were. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, they were down, but you know it's still better then probably even during that stretch better than 65 to 75% of the the programs around the country had that time. Because don't forget, we had a 10-win season. And went. did we not go into the Iron Bowl undefeated that year before the Honk If You Sack Brody game? Uh, I think we had one loss.
1: Yeah, LSU. Yeah, there was one loss. You're one right. You're exactly right.
2: But, yeah, right. But, lost, yeah but LSU, same sure. deal, though. You're right on the money. Uh, so, so go back again. And, look, I'm not – by no means am I downplaying by any stretch or any degree what Nick Saban did at Alabama. It's historic. Um, But winning at Alabama has always happened. Um, Every single coach since Bear Bryant came back as the head man at the University of Alabama. Every coach, minus Mike Price, won 10 games at least one time Mm -hmm. throughout his career. Ray Perkins, Bill Curry, Gene Stallings, Mike DuBose, Dennis Franchoni, Mike Shula, Nick Saban. Did I leave somebody out?
1: No, Did I, I name them all. You got them all. And Bill Curry went to back to back Sugar Bowls. Mike, Mike Debose won an SEC championship. Will always have a winning record all time against Steve Spurrier in head to head matchups.
2: Yeah, and, and Steve Spurrier still wakes up at three in the morning in a cold sweat. <laughs> or, I...
1: Yeah. So yeah, Alabama historically. Sorry, Coach
2: Debose, I love you, but right. You know that one still. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know Spurrier. <laughs> You know what? Just knowing Spur and how he is—that's. Uh, <laughs> I, 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 I was joking, but I—I I feel pretty certain. At least twice a year, he does. Um, <laughs> it is—it's incredible. That's what Alabama is. Now look, um, we had a really low period, but it took the NCAA to right. put Alabama in the spot that they were in. It's not like Alabama just got bad for a couple of years. It took, it took something by the NCAA that they don't do anymore. If they do anything or anybody knows who they are or where they are or why they are might be the bigger question. Why? Not who are you, why are you? Uh, it is, um, you know, that's what did out – that's what held Alabama back. It wasn't opposing teams or programs and, uh, on a collective basis. It was – when you don't have as many scholarships as everybody else, it's, it's kind of tough. So thankfully Malmore had a vision that when we were at our lowest, we had to make sure that the facilities were in the right place for, um, the right guy to be there. And when, when we got Dale Earnhardt behind the wheel, we had the car built and ready for him to drive it. And, uh, Obviously, a lot's been done since then, but it's in a great shape. It's in in an unbelievable spot, and I cannot believe that I knew enough about NASCAR to make an analogy that was actually accurate, as Tom would attest to, having done sports radio with me for quite a while. You nailed it.
0: Perfection. Like Nick Saban many times. Uh, Chris Stewart is our guest here on Out of the Box Off Topic. Chris, I want to look at the big picture. I mean, we've talked about Nick Saban's impact in Alabama football, but we, we are both, we're all three of us are entrenched in many of the other sports at this university, softball, baseball, basketball, women's basketball. We see the impacts that, that he brought on this school and the entire athletic department. Is there a way that you can put into words those impacts that Coach Saban had on the University of Alabama and really the city of Tuscaloosa as a whole?
2: Look, here's the thing about Coach that I always was amazed by. And whether you're talking to, you know, Patrick Murphy, Jay Sewell, uh, Christy Curry, uh, you know, gymnastics head coaches that we we have or have had, the fact that he was always willing to help and wanted everything that was tied to the University of Alabama to be the best it could be uh was part of what made him great and made him such a a well-liked and respected member of the athletic department as a whole. Look, they appreciated his winning and the revenue that it helped create for the overall athletic department. Uh, you know coach battles line every week. Uh, uh, a rising tide raises all boats, you know and man, that that tide, caused by the football program certainly raised all the boats that were in athletics but it, it went beyond him just winning with football that that made money for everything else he helped other sports recruit guys y'all know this if uh, if any of the coaches called in advance and said hey we've got all of the recruits matter but we got one that that really would like to meet you or that I need you to, to give a word to. And I think it was Coach Sewell who um, had it lined up to have a recruit come in and, and Coach blocked off time on his calendar on a football weekend for the, for the young man to come in and, and go on a tour or to talk with Coach Saban in his office for about 15 minutes. And Linda Leone – calls uh, Jay and says, hey, coach wants to know where his, where his info on the uh, the kid is. And he goes, what do you mean? Well, he wants to know uh, everything about him that you can give him. And coach would tell him later, he goes, look, I'm glad to take time, but I don't want to bring him in and go Alabama's great and show him, you know, my football stuff. I'm going to recruit them for you like I recruit my kids. I want to know who they are. I want to know about their families. I want to know this, that, this, this, this. And he did. If he was recruiting, if he had a kid that was being recruited by the softball program, Nick Saban recruited that student athlete just like they were a five-star running back. He wanted to know about them so he could tell them why Alabama was the best fit for them And he wanted to show that he knew who they were and that they weren't just a name and that they weren't just the next one on the list. He did it right, just like he did in every other area of his life.
1: And you had several interactions with Coach Saban, I know, throughout his uh, tenure here at Alabama. Do you have a a favorite Coach Saban story or, or interaction you've had with him?
2: You know, one that comes to mind that, and I got asked that a bunch yesterday, mm-hmm. Um it's it's a story that's better for this format. Where I think we've got a little time. We're not up against a hard break, are we? No, we're not. We don't, have <laughs> the, we don't have the news at the top of the hour. We're no, good. I want to make no, sure. We're good. Just Fox Sports is not coming
1: on anymore. right? Yes. <laughs>
2: play the bump and play Rubber Band Man to let me know we're coming out of the uh, seven forty five break. It is Rubber Band um, Man Friday, full version of Rubber Band Man Friday. It is indeed, and if you know, you know. um, One of my favorites really covers two years, okay? We're doing the TV show with Coach Saban after uh, a win over Tennessee in Tuscaloosa in what was his seventh year. And the way – you guys probably know this, but the way we do Coach Saban's show is um, we open the show, ask him a question, ask him a follow-up, and then I say, let's take a look at the first half highlights. Well, we're really not watching the highlights. It's just edited together later. Aaron Heft and the staff at CTP do phenomenal work, and they put that together post-production. So then we talk about off-camera, basically, without – it doesn't air. All right, what are we going to talk about next? And we do that, and then I throw it to a break. Um and then we say, "What are we going to do in this next segment?" We have it kind of mapped out. You know the route it's going to go. Well, this particular night in Tuscaloosa, Tom Roberts is still the producer of the show. He had not retired yet. It was it'd be after the next year that that Tom retired. But we're uh, we're doing the show. Where we're going to do the segment coming out of the second half highlights. So the end of the game, that segment. And coach says, what are we going to talk about here? And Tom says, Well, coach, that's your seventh straight win over Tennessee. And if you know Tom, you know he hated Tennessee. Hates Tennessee. I mean, he'd rather beat Tennessee than breathe. Okay. <laughs> Tom yeah. used to Tom used to stop when Bama would play at Tennessee and and Tom was part of the radio crew and we drove up. I will not go into great detail. Uh but Tom made insisted on stopping at the first rest stop as you crossed into the state of Tennessee so that he could do what you do at a rest stop on Tennessee. That was his that was his comment.
1: Which is so, which is one of the reasons why I love Tom Roberts. There
2: are so many reasons, and that certainly <laughs> would be near <laughs> the top of the list. So he says, you know, coach at your seventh straight win against Tennessee. Well, Coach Saban does the famous lean back in his chair and put the hands under the armpits like Mary Catherine Gallagher of Saturday Night Live fame. Um, And that that usually meant when Coach did that, it was one of two things. Either he was cold, which he did that on the field a lot, or he was about to – he was trying to basically hold back. And he just simply says, well, I'm not going to say that. (laughs) And I don't know what possessed me, but I said, well, can I say it? And he said, well, I'm not going to say it, which I took to mean, yeah, you can say it.
1: Yeah, have at
2: it. So Jeff Purinton at the time was the... uh, was the football media relations guy. Of course, Jeff's now the AD at Arkansas State. And Jeff steps in and saves the segment, saves the the thing by going, well, Coach, you know, Kevin Norwood had six catches. We had this, we had this, we had this, we had this. And Coach puts his hand up and he goes, okay, okay, okay. He goes, I I got it. And he points at me, doesn't even look at me. He just points at me and he goes, you say whatever it is you're going to say, and then I'll ignore your ass, and then I'm going to say what I want to say. And there's like six people in the room at the time, seven maybe. It's it's me and Coach, and then there's two camera guys, producer, uh, our boss Jim Carabin, a state trooper, Jimmy Sexton, and I think maybe that was it. So the room cracks up laughing. When coach says, "I'll ignore your ass and and then I'll say what I want to say," and when the laughter died down, I just looked at him and I said, "So basically, it's like every other show we do." And he goes, "Yeah, pretty much." I said, "Okay, fine." Three, two, one, coach, congratulations. Uh, I said, "Coach, what you know, whatever the score was." Once again, the final coach your seventh straight over Tennessee, and then he ignored my ass and went in to write it, whatever he wanted to say. <laughs> well, fast, fast forward to the next year in Knoxville. Um, You know, they were – that was the game where I don't remember what the final was, but we beat the breath out of them. Uh, there was – throughout that game, they were piping in crowd noise. Like, they had microphones on the crowd and on the PA. To make it as loud as they could, and it was artificial noise because of how it was created. But they had, you know they were showing highlights of great Tennessee moments against Alabama and and all this stuff. And it was loud until about midway through the second quarter. We had them down four touchdowns, and it got a little quieter, and traffic getting out of there was really easy after the ball game. So we're doing the we're doing the show on the field after the game. And I don't ask permission this year. It's my usual thing. Welcome, everybody, to another edition of the Dick Saban Show, along with the head coach of the Crimson Tide. I'm Chris Stewart. Coach, congratulations on the win. You're eight straight over the Vols. And he ignored my ass, and he said what he wanted to uh, about (laughs) it. We get to the last segment of the show, which is, you know, talking about what's next. He does that. And then I'm going to just close it out. I said, Coach, congratulations. Uh, again on the victory. You're eight straight over the balls, and we'll see you folks next time here on the Nick Saban Show. And Tom says clear, and Coach takes the mic off, and he's handed it to him, and he goes, anybody done that here before, Tom? And Tom wasn't really sure what he meant. I knew what he meant, but Tom wasn't sure. As he hands in the microphone, and he goes, sir, and uh, he goes eight straight over Tennessee anybody done that and poor Tom had to tell coach yes sir coach Bryant won 10 in a row uh, over them and, and coach looked like a whip puppy and he goes oh and just turns to walk away I cannot believe that I did it I don't know what possessed me but I literally grabbed Nick Saban by the arm and I said hey coach let me tell you something you see these big old video boards they got up here I said, they were showing highlights all night long of past Tennessee wins over Alabama. But you know what? Not one clip was in HD because that stuff wasn't invented the last time they beat us. (laughs) And he looked at me like I'd lost my mind. And for a moment, I thought I had lost my job. (laughs) But instead, he grinned from ear to ear He literally started laughing. He took a step to walk away. He looked back at me and he started laughing again. And at that moment, I said to myself, Y'all keep your cigar. I just got my victory right there. There's my, I made Nick Saban laugh. I got my cigar right there, folks. Ladies and gentlemen, good night. Drop the mic, walk out. It was, uh, it was, uh, I got a gazillion but that one was always one of my favorites.
0: That's amazing. Just wow. That's amazing. That's amazing. And I love that it kind of came full circle too. That's awesome. Um, Chris Stewart joining us here for out of the box off topic. Uh, Obviously the point of this pod and this episode was to discuss the retirement of Nick Saban and his legacy and all that. However, today has been a significant day as we record the reports came out. And now as of 10 minutes ago, as we record, uh, famed athletic director for the University of Alabama Greg Byrne has (laughs) tweeted the plane has left Seattle with a picture of Archibald's so so good yes so I would say that we have confirmation that Kalen DeBoer the Washington uh, former head football coach is now the head coach at the University of Alabama what is your immediate reaction to all of this that has really kind of gone down in the last you know four hours or so
2: first of all that i didn't think it was possible for me to love greg Byrne more but for him to basically use archibald's as the tuscaloosa vatican (laughs) is just the greatest (laughs) it is the it is fantastic (laughs) oh good night that's and literally as you were telling me i was watching nbc 13 and in Ryan Hennessy and they had they showed the the puffs of smoke coming out of Archibald's signifying a new pope of the Alabama football program. Uh just glorious. Um you know assuming that it's not Pete Carroll that's that's coming back or Dr. Frazier Crane leaving radio to come to Tuscaloosa <laughs> to be the head coach. I think it is uh I think it's really nice to have it clear now that uh that guy's gonna be the uh the co-host with me on that television show i do <laughs> on the ball games. he now will be the person that everybody's looking at as once again nobody pays any attention to me whatsoever on the football coaches show for alabama
0: <laughs> is it gonna be weird for it to be presumably called the caitlin DeBoer show after so many years of the nick saban show
2: you know, I I have to be careful not to say the Nate Oak show or when I'm doing the Nate Oak show as I was yesterday, not saying the Nick Saban show. Um I'll tell you what I'm I'll tell you what comes to mind and again how clueless I am is if either one of you needs to have any reminder of that. Uh talk about overstating the obvious, <laughs> but I'll I'll never forget. Four and a half years ago, I guess it was, Brian passing, sending me a text. Uh, I think we've got our new basketball coach. He goes, we've got our new basketball coach. I said, great. Who is it? He replied, Nate Oates. I said, great. Who is it? <laughs> and he goes, Buffalo. I said, oh, I know who that is. Uh, I'll be perfectly honest if it wasn't for the college football playoff, I don't know that I would have known the name Caleb DeBoer. And it may be fair. It may not be to say that if Caleb DeBoer didn't have Washington in the national championship game, he might not be the next head coach at the university of Alabama. Uh, However, um, having done a little homework in in the last 24 hours i would uh i would say that just like any hire you'll know more in five years than you do in five hours or five minutes ago but for this job for this time this certain set of circumstances in this program i don't know how you could have made a better choice than the man who had his team with far less history and tradition, good history and tradition, but far less than that of Alabama. Uh, I think it's a wonderful, wonderful choice. And I can't wait to see what Alabama football under Caleb DeBoer looks like
0: i think that's a perfect way to cap it chris stewart crimson ties sports network joining us here on out of the box off topic tom
1: and and just so you know chris you you succeeded in your goal just as you did way back when of uh making me laugh to almost having an accident so <laughs> congratulations. i
2: understand uh we always made sure we had a towel ready for you <laughs> If if you have to replace the chair gray just send me the bill <laughs>
0: uh good to know i'll lay some newspaper down in the uh, press box this year yeah now that i know sure that that's a threat
2: make make sure canterbury's bowl is full and change the paper <laughs> and everything will be fine
0: oh uh, chris stewart you're a gentleman you're a legend you're the best i'm thank an you so idiot much for, but i
2: appreciate you
0: <laughs> thank you for spending some time off topic with us you're the man
2: anytime guys I appreciate you both really do
0: So that was Chris Stewart, and I mean, we could have gone into so much more detail about all he does at Alabama, but we wanted to get to the meat of the conversation, right? Uh, which was apparently your your history as a producer for for a good portion,
1: but <laughs> always went. always a pleasure with Chris. You wanted to get into the actual discussion of Nick Saban and not? Uh, early two thousands radio, uh, <laughs> AM radio in Tuscaloosa, how that worked out. <laughs> I had a blast. Oh, it was great. Yeah, that, that was so much fun. I'll I'll explain some of the uh, inside jokes to you later. That's
0: fine. Yeah. <laughs> off air. This is such like the perfect launch for this episode. And and I should say before we, we continue to give our thoughts on Coach Sabian's retirement, uh, this show was not designed to be I'll oh, bring a guest on. It was designed to be us just going on extra tangents. Right. But when we decided that this was the way off topic should start, Chris coming on was like the natural Thought my first thought and you agreed. And, and I thought that that was, that was perfect. Oh yeah, absolutely. It was,
1: it was great to hear. And I mean, again, uh, the guy that's going to be linked with Nick Saban so much because of doing the coaches show and, you know, him stepping in for Eli and uh, getting a chance to call what ended up being his last game in the Rose bowl. uh, Just, uh, just great stuff. And yeah, no one better to talk about it than Chris Stewart. But
0: now it's time for us to do what we can and and talk about this. I want to, again, Read some of the notes about Nick Saban, Alabama coach, but really a coach who was legendary because of what he did throughout his entirety of of his career, not just at Alabama, but everything. Seven national titles, as Chris joked, the six that we care about came at Alabama. Exactly, six in seventeen years. That is almost. That's a little better than thirty
1: three percent of the time. It's ridiculous, and and the fact that he was really close if the ball bounces a different way to having. Maybe 10. Yeah, at least eight I can think of, like,
0: right now. Exactly. 11 SEC championships and 22 seasons in the SEC at LSU and Alabama. That was nuts when I read that. 50% of the time when he was coaching in the SEC as a head coach, he was in the championship game. And, of course, nine of those were at Alabama in 17 years, which is better than 50%. That is stupid.
1: Right. Well, and then also, as Chris was talking about – plays also into Alabama's history as the premier football program at, in the Southeastern conference, the fact that he won nine and Alabama has 21 that Nick Saban wasn't the head coach. Of. Yeah. So just for, for all the people that are, you know, thinking this is going to be the end of Alabama football, uh, Bama football was really good before Nick Saban got here. And I think will continue to be so 44
0: first round draft picks compared to 29 losses. Ludicrous at Alabama, by the way, he can't lose anymore at Alabama, but he can still get a few more first round draft picks. I think he's got a few. He yeah. They're about to get Kool-Aid. Yes. My boy, Terry on, where are we going? Let me know. I'm getting that Terry on Arnold Jersey. That's my guy. Number one, at some point every season from 2008 to 2022, this year was the end of the streak, a year where Alabama is legitimately a play away from playing of a
1: national championship and probably winning. it. Yeah. Guys, that's, that's, it, it's unbelievable. that That is some of the more, those last two that you just said, 44 first round draft picks to 29 losses. And don't forget his first year, he had zero people drafted. Yeah. Not zero first rounders, zero people drafted. And six losses. So already right. the, the tilt is not good. So a lot of these, you know, a lot of his percentages and stuff, if you take his very first year, 2007 out, it's even more unbelievable. Yeah. The final bullet point I have
0: here is 10 win seasons in 16 of 17 years at Alabama. The one
1: was year one. Right. And again, as I said, the expectations of now, if Alabama has a 10 win season, it's considered such a down year and a disappointment. Whereas a program, you know, not, not meaning to hit them with any strays here, but a program like Ole Miss Mm. has just won 12 games for the first time ever. Yeah. And they've been playing football as long as Alabama has. Yeah. So it's just it's un, it's just it's a testament not only to Nick Saban, but also to the Alabama football program as a well. whole.
0: So there are four bullet points that I want to get to in regards to this. We will of course start with memories of the championships, of the success, the football related success. Uh, I I can very vividly remember the very first time that I cried at an Alabama football game. It was 2005. Mike Shula. This was why I knew immediately what Chris was talking about. It was the loss to LSU at home in overtime. And I was there in our season ticket seats. And I was sobbing because we had lost. And that was really the first football season where I was like a coherent person as an eight-year-old child where Alabama had been like legitimately good. Right. They, were, they were actually good. And if, if – or, or you know the legendary Tyron Perther doesn't get hurt. Who knows what happens that year?
1: But but well, Alabama is doing the same thing Florida State did this year because it was going to be uh, that was no, U- true that was USC and Texas well, right? E- yeah, that's true. So, but, Either way, but yeah, I digress. I, I
0: know what you're saying. Yes, yes. So I'm crying in the stands at Bryant Denny Stadium, and a, a man walks up and he says, "It's okay, buddy. It'll get better." I thought. I hope he's right. Mm. 2007 is the second time I have ever cried at a football game. That was also a loss to LSU. That was the first year where Nick Saban played his former school in the SEC. It was a great football game. Alabama had no business really even being in the conversation in that game. That was a really good LSU team. And Alabama had a fourth quarter lead, 34-27, and blew it. And there is actually. Javier Arenas with a punt return. Oh, sick. Yeah. Sick. Mm-hmm. There's a picture on my phone of, I think my dad took it, of me crying at this game. And the same man, random guy, walked up to me and said, it's okay, buddy. It'll get better. And it did. In ways that, like, I mean, you talked to Chris about it. Chris eloquently answered the question. But the, the question is also, you know, the, the answer is obvious. There's no way anyone could have foreseen what we got to experience in the 17 years at Alabama, like you could have said, yeah, he'll win a championship. Right. But the, the six championships, the 16 years of sustained success after that first year is something that will never be duplicated in college football, especially in the new era ever again.
1: I, I believe it was Aaron Suttles from Yay Alabama ended up saying that Nick Saban at Alabama made the legendary routine. Mm-hmm. He made it; like uh, it was like Alabama year after year had seasons that, had they just happened on their own in a vacuum, people would be proclaiming as the greatest season in football history. And Alabama had multiple ones yeah. of those during the seventeen seasons. And like you mentioned that that two thousand seven season, Alabama was in a position. Remember, they had the they be, we beat a good Tennessee team at home the same day that they found out that four players were four starters were suspended, mm-hmm. and then just blew Tennessee out of the water. Had the opportunity to beat LSU, then we know what happened in November. It wasn't a good November, yeah. Uh, but they they rallied. They beat Colorado in in the Independence Bowl, and it was Katie barred the, bo- the door after that because you know, an undefeated season in 2008 until the SC championship game. You avenge that in 2009, win the national championship. And from there on out, it, it was all right. Who's going to play Alabama this year for the championship? And that, and that's, you know, Alabama was always in that conversation of who's going to be the national champion from there on out. Uh, just, uh, it was, it was just also Alabama had never had a Heisman trophy win. Yeah. Zero. And we, it we was always, kind of a badge of a pride. We kind of, you know, that's right. Our, our rationale team. was right. we're a, we're a team's team. We're, we are a team's team. Right. So we many, win as a team. I, I can't tell you the number of times people were saying, <laughs> I would rather win a, a national championship than a Heisman trophy. I agree. But you know what? You can do both. And then we and, got that first and, Heisman. Right.
0: Everybody was like, this is what we wanted all along. <laughs> this is
1: a lot of fun. So, yeah. So now Alabama has four. Uh, yeah. <laughs> And went from zero to four over these 17 years and had who I believe is the best player in Alabama football history, uh, pound for pound in Derrick Henry. Mm. Uh, so, And uh, you've
0: often talked about the importance
1: of, of Julio Jones as well. 100%. Yeah. Julio Jones, you know, I think, I think he's in the conversation of the best player, the best wide receiver, but even if he is not, the fact that he committed and came to Alabama when he did at the time that he did as a five-star kind of signaled all right, Alabama's back. Yeah, and uh, and it, it was very important when he came to Tuscaloosa. Everybody else that came with him, Mark Ingram, the first Heisman Trophy winner, was a three star, by the way. So you know, people say Nick Saban necessarily wasn't the best at developing. He just got great players coming out. He also developed players really well, and people in the five stars got better. Yeah. So um, that just seeing that everything that he did, the process, just changing everybody's mind and the way that they attacked every day, much less game to game. Uh, I think it's really the legacy of Nick Saban.
0: Yeah. And I mean, how lucky were we that we got to tag along for the ride uh, on the football side of it, you oh, know, yeah. and, and we'll get to the other sports in just a moment, but on the football side, like think about Alabama fans out there, the places that you got to go because of the football team's success, Pasadena, so many trips to new Orleans, which everybody always loves Atlanta, like a yearly yeah. date on the calendar and
1: Miami, Miami. Glendale. I
0: mean, just the list goes on Indianapolis. I mean, a lot of y'all had St. Elmo's because of Nick Saban. Uh, yeah. Congrats to you. I, just really unreal. And, and how lucky are we that we got to, we got to see it as Alabama fans, but also as people affiliated with the university, which I think almost makes it even sweeter because we got to see as we moved to the next bullet point, but changes in the university as well. And how this place grew enrollment got, gigantic uh, the progress around the city of Tuscaloosa and around the university infinite like there really aren't words to describe it we saw as Chris talked about uh, every athletic team strive to be as great and hold up the Bama standard that Nick Saban was forcing to be how this university operated yeah and uh, the impact of that really
1: can't be overstated we've heard other people talk about it like during SEC media days, softball media days, how uh, football is the front porch of the athletic program. Yes. I believe uh, Karen Weekly said exactly that quote. And it's like other sports can succeed if football is struggling. Mm-hmm. And we've seen that other, you know, in other schools. Alabama had some really good sports happening during the quote down times that we just talked about with Chris. But when football is is great, it elevates everybody else so much because right. it brings in the most revenue. Yeah. Uh, it is the most, uh, it, it's, it's what everybody sees. It's the most visual of all all the sports. So, uh, when football is doing great, everybody else gets better. Everybody else gets better facilities. Everybody else, you know, if nothing else, just walking off the bus, Alabama, having that script A on their, on their Jersey, it, it gives you, it, there's a certain gravitas to it. Yeah. Um, so we've seen it in other sports, how, as Alabama football has gotten better, everybody else has gotten better. And like Chris talked about when this, Nick Samming got here, the first thing, that had to happen was facilities had to get an upgrade mm-hmm. because the thought at the time, and this is one of the things that makes Haven changed change a lot of minds about water. We don't have to have the best facilities because we're Alabama. Well, no, <laughs> you have to have the best facilities because everybody else has great facilities. Those players that can beat on you know TV anywhere. Now they're going to go those other places. Yeah. So uh, the, uh, the facilities had to be upgraded and it's a continual upgradation almost every year. And we're seeing it in other sports too. And I think that's one of the biggest things that Nick Saban did.
0: Absolutely. And I remember when I was first, I had decided to go to Alabama for college and I had a, a sit down with uh, Dr. Robert Witt, the chancellor at the time. And one of the first things he talked about was because of what Nick Saban has done, we are now building a new building on campus every 90 days. That is how fast the university is expanding. Yeah. And that, that, is, that is an unreal clip to be growing, but the university grew with it and to watch every athletic team in the athletic department kind of grow with football was I think really cool and something that that is very difficult to replicate across the country, but Alabama found a way to make it work.
1: When I, I graduated undergrad Alabama in 2004, I went back to do post-grad in 2012. I had to do like Bama blasts. I had to go on <laughs> and I do the to know where anything was. I didn't, I didn't recognize. <laughs> I live in Tuscaloosa. I live in Tuscaloosa the entire time, but the campus had changed so much because there were so many new buildings. Yeah. Like I didn't know where anything was. And that just a continuous, it's not just athletic facilities. It's, it's others. Uh, it's academic, it's libraries, it's new buildings. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is
0: just it's having to build new dorms because I mean, right. the, think of think of the dorms and how those have changed mm. in the last three years, five years.
1: Yeah. I, I mean, mean, yeah.
0: But look at the line at, at Starbucks. Oh, my gosh. New Tut is a freaking palace. <laughs> Nick Saban helped make that happen. Right.
1: It's it's just it's amazing to consider. The growth of the university as a whole during the last seventeen years.
0: Yeah, and then the impact on Tuscaloosa. Obviously, my first thought was the tornado. Sure, uh, and the work that that Coach Saban and Miss Terry, whose name we haven't said on this podcast yet, who is going to be missed possibly as much, if not more, as Nick Saban. The impact that they had on the community after what is probably in the modern era the most devastating thing that has happened in the city of Tuscaloosa oh, uh, sure. can't be overstated and even outside of that the work that they do with Nick's kids and the habitat for humanity houses and coach Saban talked about this with with Reese Davis the the servant leadership that they're able to impart through their players who then take it beyond Alabama to their right. foundations once they're in the NFL or doing whatever they want to do after college uh, that part i think is just as big in the legacy listings for Nick Saban as
1: anything else we've talked about 100% and referencing Miss Terry like you said we gotta we gotta thank Miss Terry yeah for so much probably on the front end if nothing else bringing Nick Saban here because she wanted to be back in college when Nick Saban was the head coach of the Dolphins And everyone talks about Nick Saban as though he was this abject failure with the Miami Dolphins he wasn't He had a good year and a bad year right because he didn't get a quarterback that he wanted yeah uh so if you know something, if the doctor says drew Brees is okay and they get drew Brees, this whole thing may not have ever happened but you know he, he she wanted to come back and be a part of a college town he realizes he wanted to come back and be part of a college town so just like i thank rita rodriguez every year for not wanting rich rod to come to tuscaloosa I thank Miss Terry for wanting Nick Saban to come to Tuscaloosa and keeping him here. Um, and like you said, you know, I think you saw, I think you saw a little bit of a change in Nick Saban after the tornadoes. Yeah. I would agree with um, that. You know, I, I think he's, he was, the, he was a professional football coach. And then after the tornadoes, he became a member of the Tuscaloosa community. Yeah. And you know, he, he's done so much as far as that goes. And then, you know, in 2009, I had a couple of years where I was not in radio. I was not in any, any communications. I worked at an Alabama merchandise store, which probably doesn't exist if Mm. Nick Saban's not the head coach, Mm -hmm. because you're not making a whole lot of money on a six and six football team. Yeah. But you are making a lot of money when you got to change. All right. It's a new year. We got to get new championship merch in here. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, you know, once you have the one shirt, you're good unless you have a new championship every year. (laughs) So that was helpful. We we had 12 hats forever. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. The 12 hats and helmets. Yes. And now we are had to upgrade. Yeah. New helmets every year (laughs) because you're getting a national championship. So uh, just, yeah, as far as the city of Tuscaloosa, economically, um, just. I mean, think of all the hotels that are downtown now. Oh, my gosh. Why do those exist? Exactly. Yeah. Why are there four upper decks on Bryant-Denny Stadium? There were only two when he got here. Yeah. And. The first A-Day that Nick Saban was here, the, the capacity of the stadium was like 98,000, I believe, because the, right. the, the two end zone upper decks weren't there yet. And uh, A-Day, they never opened the upper decks because it's just, you know, it's about 50, 60,000 people will be here. Sure. There were 125,000 people in that stadium because they weren't having to sit in, in seats. They were standing all, you know, if they weren't in the stadium, they were around the stadium. Yeah. I think when he came out and he saw that, He's like, oh, okay. I got the support. <laughs> you people are right. serious. Yeah. I mean, I it was serious when I landed and random women were coming up to kiss me. <laughs> but now I know that these people really are just hungering for a championship that I'm going to get to Yeah. Can't believe we didn't get that
0: reaction going off the plane after uh, OKC, but whatever. It's fine. The final bullet point I have here is the friends that we made along the way and since all this has happened it has been a exhausting couple days and especially for me because i still went to houston and why i well everything was set and we were all went and thank you to the folks that i sat with for allowing me to to also come to town uh and shout out kiki and papa good to see you and did you enjoy
1: seeing alabama's next head coach coach football game yeah I, I who would have thought at the who time I never,
0: thought. I was like, wow, Michigan ran this. And now I'm thinking about it. Like,
1: well, maybe it wasn't that
0: bad. Right. Yeah. Um, no. So, and we'll talk about killing DeBoer in just a moment, but mm-hmm. since all of this has gone down, I have, I have teared up twice. Uh, the first was at the just beautiful video crafted by the genius that is Aaron Hemp. Oh, got to give Aaron Hemp. I mean, My I God. like, we have, we have said his name on this pod multiple times. We have said it on the air multiple times. Aaron Hep is a genius and one day he will leave Alabama and I hope that day never comes, no. but he, as long as he is in Tuscaloosa, we need to cherish the fact that this man is turning out gold
1: for every sport. Right. I can't, I can't lose Nick Saban and Aaron Hep. Hepp, Hepp no, no, don't go anywhere. Yes. Um, we need the hype video for trivia yes. night. Yes. Not, not only, not only Aaron Hep doing his genius things, making the video, mm. Tom Rinaldi is the narrator. Like, oh, uh, I just hear Rinaldi's voice and I start crying. Yeah. So that was a, that was yeah. smart. That was good. Was well good done, stuff. everybody well at CTP. Done. Have yes. your freaking
0: genius. And great, we love you. Really great stuff. The second was when I got home after I had seen the video and I was on the phone with a friend. And he is not from the state of Alabama. And we're fraternity brothers and we're very good friends. And I was thinking and then, I, you know, and he was talking about like, oh, he, you know, he loved Alabama because of what he saw in football and he grew up loving Alabama because of that. And that made him want to come here. And then I thought about how many friends that I have from college who, who came to Tuscaloosa because they saw what was going on and wanted to be a part of it. And these are people from California and Michigan and New Jersey and Georgia and Florida and Texas and all across the country. They came to Tuscaloosa because they saw what was going on and they wanted to join the party as our friend Rick Neuheisel said on Sirius XM. And that, that made me tear up a little bit because I was thinking how stupid and how beautiful is it that I have some of my best friends in the world because Nick Saban won football games. Right. And that is, that is something that I think a lot of people who went to Alabama or who just are affiliated with the school can relate to. There are people in all of our lives that we never would have met if Nick Saban hadn't won games at the University of Alabama, and that is something that is impactful, I think, to everybody, and that made me tear up because I realized that that's something that I can never thank Nick Saban for, but it's it might be the thing that I'm most grateful for—the relationships and the memories that have come out of that, just because of the standard of excellence that he set at the University of Alabama.
1: Yeah, I uh, think about in, in, unless you're as as we were eight year olds that were, you know, really tracking, you know, making our mm-hmm. own top 25s and they're doing. doing oh, football. you should
0: have seen my score notebooks back in the day. Time. Oh yeah. I have one like a little old steno pad, super thick. And I will never forget. I think it was 2005 writing Penn state six, Iowa four period. Wow.
1: Yes. <laughs> so yeah. Unless, unless you were like that, if, if you were just a, a normal person, <laughs> which and, we are no. quite famously not. No and you just casually kept up with sports or, you know, and, and just watched it as, at high school or something. If you're under the age of 30, you don't know Alabama football without Nick Saban. Right. Which is crazy to think about. That is why it was such a monumentous day mm-hmm. on Wednesday when this announcement came. Um, but it's also something to remind the, the people that are under 30 that Alabama was really good beforehand. Right. And will be good again. Uh, so it's not like, you know, let's let's not let's not. Totally I have right. had to do a
0: little triage in some group chats. So okay. let's stop panicking. Yes, we're fine. Things will be OK. So we weren't going to comment on this unless it became official. And it basically became official by the time we pressed record. And now, according to Greg Burns, right. papal Twitter account, uh, it is official. He said to only listen to him. Uh, yeah, and, that's right. Uh,
1: that's, and that's what we're doing.
0: That's right. So the new head coach of the university of Alabama for the football program is Kalen DeBoer he coached at Washington was just in the national championship. So I'm with my own eyes. Like I said, never would have imagined that right. less than a week later, we would be working in the same city. Right. Uh, 104 and 12 overall as a head coach at Washington, President state and Sioux falls, uh, which is a lower division program, but the things he did there, please look it up. It's incredible. Also, a great career as a wide receiver at the college level for Sioux falls and a great baseball player hit over 500 wow. for Sioux falls. Yeah. I mean, we'll give our immediate thoughts. This, this won't be super extensive, but I think it's for the current moment in college football, I think it is as close to a slam dunk as you can get. I am of the mindset that there is no such thing as a true slam dunk when it comes to coaching searches, because we never know. So never many know. things can change. Yeah. But this is as close as I think you can get, because if you look at a timetable for the other, quote unquote, contenders, I think the timing wasn't quite right for Sark. The timing wasn't quite right for Dan Lanning, but timing were about seven years too late for Dabo. Like Thank goodness. Lane Kiffin were probably five years too early right. for Lane Kiffin. Like the timing wasn't really right. And so when you actually look at the legitimate contenders, there were probably only two that would have made sense. Mike Norvell and Kaelin DeBoer. Of the two, unless unless you were going to get D'Amico Ryan's or something right come out of the NFL, right, which would have been amazing, right? But again, probably too soon, the timing not right. So I think when you really boil it down, this is probably the best option Alabama had, and it's also just a really darn good option. Period.
1: Yeah, I'm with you. I mean, you look how he's been a head coach at different divisions for is it nine seasons, ten seasons, give or take? Yeah i don't and, have it in front of me right. but yeah and has like has, has 12 total losses so the guy wins wherever he goes and if you're coaching at places like washington fresno state and sioux falls you d- probably don't have as much talent as some of the people that you're playing and beating yeah so that means you're a pretty dang good head coach you know it'd be interesting to see who and with a lot of things like this who is assistant coach it's going to be who you know there's so much that still has to to get sorted out. Yeah, some people will stay coaching-wise. Some people will go. And that's, that's what the next yeah. few weeks are all about. Who comes with him, all that type of stuff. Uh, but as far as what he's done already, taking a team like Washington in the Pac-12's final year, so much uh, upheaval there, and takes them to the national championship game. You have the transfer portal. You have NIL, all this stuff. He is of the age and of the ability and has obviously figured out how to handle all that. Yeah. And that's something he's going to have to do at Alabama. So um, I'm very excited by it. And when I was looking at it, when this first happened, my list of who I didn't want was a lot longer than the list of who I did want. Mm-hmm. Uh, and DeBoer was on the list that I Person, people I would like. Yeah, so I'm very excited for.
0: It. Yeah, and I think the thing that has sold me the most on this is everybody that I respect in college football that that covers the sport that has been involved over the years. They love this. You know, you look at, you look at the former players who are on TV guys like Greg McElroy, Cole Kublick, Tom Lugenbill, Jordan Rogers had a really awesome tweet about it. Talking about how the best broadcast prep that they've ever had with a coach was before the 2022 Alamo bowl with Kalen DeBoer and the things that they learned there. I mean, you talk to anybody respected, involved with college football. They love this. Fans are going to be fans there we know what the outside forces are going to say sure. and there are going to be warring factions in the alabama fan base because that is the beautiful messed up world that we live in it's why we have a, an off the wall segment right uh but everybody that matters whose opinion i care about they love it and that just makes me feel even better about how i feel and i love it
1: i think it's a very greg burn hire i agree like, you know it's similar to what chris talked about with nate oates nate oates not a household name by any stretch of the imagination when he got hired. But if you're a basketball person, you knew that Buffalo was doing really well. So, so, all right, we got the Buffalo guy. Uh, Baseball, you know, Maryland was one of the best teams in college baseball. When Alabama needed a baseball coach, get the Maryland guy. And here comes Robert Vaughn. You know, we have – this is the type of hire that Greg Byrne is known for, and that's why – they wanted him as the athletic director for the university of right. Alabama. When you hire, when you hire Greg Byrne, the thought was at some point, he's going to have to replace Nick Saban. This
0: is probably the first thing that was discussed in that. meeting. Sure.
1: We, we yeah. don't know. We hope it's 10 years from now. Right. Which it almost was, but <laughs> <That's> true. <laughs> at some point you're probably going to have to replace Nick Saban. All right, here's my plan. This is what we're going to do. Bam. You're hired. Yeah. And this is why it happened. And there are so many things you have to deal with. There are so many different moving parts. I don't know if Kalen DeBoer was the number one target, but I think he was probably up there if he wasn't the absolute number one. I think
0: everybody kind of agrees that there was like a a pretty clear four. Yeah. And that that was kind of how Alabama was operating. And coaches' searches are always different. Uh, I mean, the way that they go – it varies institution to institution and athletic director to athletic director. Some guys go to one person and say, you're my guy. Here's the offer. So, Others call uh, around and sure. get some interest.
1: Yeah. Sometimes it's a Malmore situation where you literally go to Nick Saban's drive- driveway and don't leave until he's saying, I'm not leaving until you're coming back with me. <laughs> which is what Malmore did, famously. I don't. Greg Burton probably didn't have to do that with Kalen DeBoer. Yeah he might've been told no by a couple people or, you know, he went, you know, would you like this? And said, no, I think I'm happier where I'm at. Okay. We'll go to the next person. Yeah. That's the way, that's the way coaching searches go. I will also add, we have had a lot
0: of people on Twitter ask us about the fact that Kalen DeBoer's daughter plays softball and is committed to Washington. And at this point, all we know is that he has a daughter who is committed to play at Washington. I have no idea. She's highly ranked. She's like, highly ranked yeah. by x extra- softball, and she's an infielder because I looked it up. Yeah. But other than that, we have no idea the softball implications of this. Yeah. I will say Alabama does play softball. I will agree with that. I can confirm. Otherwise, we'd at, be real bored. At a high level. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. And this podcast wouldn't exist. No. And I will also say, if there is one softball-related storyline, I can almost surely guarantee here, Is that Kalen DeBoer will at some point this year throw out the first pitch at a game at Rhodes?
1: What is it? I have no clue. And I can neither confirm nor deny that all this is revenge for 2018. (laughs) Which I was not
0: there for. So I'm just going to. I was there for.
1: Congratulations to you on that.
0: I saw the 17 one. That was like our fifth game together. We were still doing the intro. And then the first pitch of the game, Washington hit a solo home run. And we were like, oh, oh. okay, uh, Washington's in the purple tops and the purple yeah. pants, and, yes.
1: and it's one nothing. and At whatever. least we didn't have to have a five-hour plane ride
0: beforehand. <laughs> That's true. <It's> back year. <laughs> Anything else you want to talk about before we wrap up this? This much lengthier right. than any other be, version am, will be of yeah, Out of the is, Box Off Topic. This will always
1: be shorter than this.
0: We, like, I'm, I know I say that. <laughs> I promise. Yes. My word is being given. All right like this normally is the longest this, this will be, ever
1: be normally this would be much shorter that's what she said
0: <laughs> any final thoughts tom that's like the <laughs> third time i've thought of michael scott during what? this wow
1: episode uh no just like you know amazing amazing career for nick saban we thank him so much for so many things even outside of what he's done for football and i know he's he's now in an office at bryant Denny stadium which will soon i'm sure be named Nick and Terry Sapin Field at Bryant Denny Stadium would love it. Uh, but I don't know why certain things were dropped off at his statue, but thank you for that, I guess. For free food for me, just walked
0: across the street and grabbed a couple of little
1: Debbie's. (laughs) There you go, that's my dinner. Uh, but uh, just an unbelievable career. He has lifted up so many things, even outside of what he did in football, but just football wise. Um, the goat greatest of all time.
0: And just to clarify, there are probably a few of you crazies out there whose mouths just dropped. I did not take food from Nick Saban's statue.
1: How dare you! Greg? I
0: have ramen here. Okay, we're <laughs> okay, fine.
1: We're fine.
0: Uh, I, everything that you said absolutely did uh, Obviously, there is zero world where Nick Saban hears this podcast. But you, you don't think Cedric turned it on? I, I don't the think so. Um, but if if Coach, if you somehow find this. Thank you from the bottom of our hearts, from everybody who has ever been affiliated with the university, who have ever attended the university, who has had their lives changed simply because you decided to come here and win some football games. You changed us all in ways that we aren't even realizing yet. Mm -hmm. Uh, I had one last night that I've vocalized on this podcast. There are things that you have done that will forever shape the rest of our lives. And as insane as it is that those things came because you won a couple football games while at a place in Tuscaloosa, Alabama, that's how it happened, and it's probably amazing, and we are forever grateful. He won. He won a couple
1: games. He yeah, did, he just did, a couple. He did pretty
0: good. A couple a year for sixteen years. A <laughs> Couple times five. Sure. Tom, where where can the people find you if they want to get more of your thoughts and takes on Kalen DeBoer and everything else that's going on? Before, mind you, in like three weeks softball starts we play softball we have trivia night next week i know
1: this is awesome uh t canterbury rtr on the x as now we are all referring to it the x (sighs) formerly known as twitter we got to make
0: a decision i i was i was forced to update the app Mm. it was a hard day i still have the twitter bird screenshot I actually sent a memorial video to the group
1: chat (laughs)
0: which was I think funny. I don't know. Steph laughed. It. So that was sure. great. Yes. Well, I can't laugh because I'm
1: on Android. But
0: <laughs> Just know I laughed. It's <laughs> true. At gray, G-R-A-Y underscore Robertson for me. Follow the show at out of the box underscore pod. Thank you to our guest, Chris Stewart. Oh, my gosh. You know, we never expected to have to do this pod. I certainly never thought that that we would have Chris on our softball podcast. But, you know, stars aligned. And Chris Stewart came on and shared some phenomenal stories. And we are grateful that he was able to join us.
1: I always love talking with my friend, Chris Stewart. And uh, yeah, just take, takes me back to 20 years ago. It sounds like that could be a podcast series in and of itself. Waking up at five in the morning. Uh, Out. I'm done. Yeah.
0: You know what? Waking up at whatever time we woke up for Alabama, Wisconsin. That's, that's all I need to know. Like just I'll wake up at like nine or later for work from now on. Yes. Thank you everybody for tuning in to the first episode and first edition of Out of the Box Off Topic. Season 6 launches on February 6th. Until then, there might be another one of these. Who's to say?
1: Who knows?
0: You never know. Hmm. For Tom Canterbury, I'm Gray Robertson. We'll see you next time on the Out of the Box podcast. Fly so high,
1: I'm what's up is down, what's left is right.